Oh, it's got to be all of the old buildings. They're, they're definitely the best thing about King's Lynn. The old buildings. The Guild Hall, where we are tonight. The Guild Hall. The wonderful waterfront. Uh, I love the Ring Road. The river, the tidal wave on the river. I go on the ferry regularly. The ferry is a great experience. Yes, I've been on the ferry. No, I would like to, but I never have. Everything shuts at nine o'clock, that's about it. You sort of need to live here to love it, really. Not as interesting as it used to be. It's lovely. Mark Steele's in town. Thank you very much, lovely people of Kings Lynn. Welcome to Mark Stills in Town, coming this week from Kings Lynn, once a vital East Anglian port that helped to drive the economy of Europe. And today, it can be an interesting place for a stroll if you're fed up of Wisbeach. So. <laughs> There are all these old cobbled bits of the town by the river, lined by striking merchants' buildings with slightly skew-if wooden beams, boards placed every few yards telling you the history of the street that at the bottom say, please don't look round the corner. <laughs> A unique and fascinating combination here of grand history and modern disappointment. And... <laughs> It's as if those buildings say, look this way for the imposing square dating back to the European trade's heart, or that way for chilli masters. <laughs> Late-night kebab shop with a space outside for people to be sick. <laughs> it's a, a town with historic links to Europe that owes its existence to Europe and trade with Europe, so I'm sure that everyone here must love Europe. <laughs> <laughs> but... As you must be very upset by events there, we won't mention that again. <laughs> In any case, it's attractive for other reasons here, Kingsley. For example, anyone who cherishes peace and tranquillity would love it here. The only noise coming from geese on the river or your own breath or the RAF flying at 8,000 miles an hour. <laughs> 80 foot above your head practising for bombing Afghanistan. <laughs> And here's an indication of how pleasant it is here. Someone sent me this article from the Lynn News with a headline, Letter Not Genuine. It said, We are sorry to report that a letter published in good faith in last Friday's Lynn News under the headline, King's Lynn is a Delight, is fictitious. <laughs> discussion forum for people interested in the town and people who love the place. People clearly adore it here. One post reads, Lynn is a great place to live. Beautiful location, countryside, river, fabulous historic buildings, two art centres, a concert hall, festivals, great live music scene. I could go on, but I left ten years ago and haven't been back. <laughs> the countryside. It is stunning all round here and so varied. I mean, if you go out to the east, it's flat. But if you go south towards Watlington, it's flat, but there's a chip shop. <laughs> and I love the way you all say, it's not flat, that's a myth. Then you'll mention somewhere like Ongar Hill. And, and when you go there, it's a gently, barely visible slope. <laughs> Most of you, it must seem high up, cos round here, if you go up a stepladder, you go, oh, my ears are popped. <laughs> but this isolation makes a place friendly. It builds a sense of community. For example, where else would you read this in the local newspaper? 
security guards have again been brought into Lynn's main public library. <laughs> following repeated serious incidents of antisocial behaviour. You need security guards <laughs> in your library. <laughs> what is the matter with you? See, trouble is, I get frustrated at a decline as a port over a 500-year period. <laughs> so I take it out on John le Carre paperbacks. I don't know why. <laughs> Have you come across the security guards in the library? Yes. Yeah? Yes. I mean, you can understand why action had to be taken, because the report went on. Among the problems were people dropping crumbs on the computers. <laughs> There'll be a documentary one day called The Library Governor. <laughs> with one of them big blokes with a pockmarked face going, well, this pensioner was kicking off in a floor and fauna section. So I've grabbed him in headlock, put a nut on him, a shelf's gone over, I've smashed his head through romantic fiction F2L. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked him right in the mince pies and I've gone, shh. say to their kids, you're not going to the library, I don't want you getting in any trouble. <laughs> you can be respectable instead and spend your time at Heights Nightclub. <laughs> Is it shut down now, Heights Nightclub? Yeah. Oh, what a shut... I read a review of Heights Nightclub on Facebook. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, what can I say? It's crap. In fact, it's flies crap. We're eating, then been sick back up, then eating again. Same old toilet issue where you're standing in piss and smoke. Room is disgusting. No lights or just one big one that blinds you. Way too expensive, though most of the time it's free. I... <laughs> I haven't mentioned the stairs because of the nature of the building. There's nothing that can be done about it, so no, the stairs is not an issue, but if you want a cheap laugh and a drink, I'd definitely say go there. It's great. <laughs> charge of the tourist board here, the attraction I boast about most is the ferry across the river. Yeah. It's, it's magnificent in every way. To start with, it goes from the town across to a piece of ground called West Lynn, which is so much more enjoyable than these ferries that go to places where there are things. <laughs> I'm sick of functional ferries that go to places like France and Sicily. It's so much more fun to go to an indefinable expanse of mud. <laughs> and the ferry itself is an object of nautical beauty, like a shiny paddle steamer going up the Mississippi. <laughs> the first time I went on it, when I come a couple of years ago, I walked across a plank and climbed in it. And then the ferrymaster had to get in the mud and push the ferry into the water. And it might have been easier to just make the plank a bit longer and then I could have just walked across to the other side. You should have an airport next where passengers climb in a dog basket and get carried to Swatham. <laughs> I bet there are tourists who go there expecting to take their car across it, unaware it would be much easier to put the ferry on the car. <laughs> And there should be a safety announcement where the bloke goes, in the event of an emergency, passengers will hear four short blasts that I will make myself. Ah, 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 ah. Then you'll all have to get out and walk. It'll probably be quicker than the ferry, to be honest. <laughs> it's brilliant and it suits you because you don't want tourists. You don't want too many tourists up here. They'll spoil it. The place will end up like Burnham. You don't want that. <laughs> Full of people up there going, oh, the amount we paid for our holiday cottage, you think the council had stopped the tide from coming here? <laughs> <laughs> these, uh, 
these people don't appreciate your King's Lynn landmarks like you do, one of your finest attractions here is the Hardwick Traffic Roundabout. <laughs> because... <laughs> and, uh, so you can all shout out, what lives on the Hardwick Traffic Roundabout? Oh, just brilliant, a rabbit. <laughs> and it's it makes it dangerous, that roundabout, cos you're driving round there looking for rabbits. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, I was driving round here, I went up the verge and wrote the car off, but it don't matter, cos I saw one. <laughs> uh, the roundabout was described by Mr Chris Shaw, who wrote to me on Twitter, there's a huge collection of rabbits on that roundabout, unable to escape. Inbreeding, forming horrible mutations. They certainly don't fit into Norfolk. <laughs> How many people are aware of this wildlife spot? Right, I found a discussion about the roundabout on airgunbbs.com <laughs> that calls itself the UK's number one shooting forum. And someone called Paul101 wrote, Just done a lap of Hardwick roundabout and there must have been the best part of a hundred rabbits grazing away there without a care in the world. And then someone called JT replied, I'm working out this way, and I've seen them too. Perhaps some fast air from a couple of Joint Defence Attack Munition missiles would sort them out. <laughs> Thing is, you can't get on that roundabout, so you'd have to shoot them from your car in a... <laughs> in a drive-by. <laughs> so these people are probably part of some Kingsland rap crew. They've probably got a song going, Got beef with a rabbit, let him have it. See your chance and grab it. Dis mean KL streets, I inhabit. <laughs> Into ghetto with a ferry, need an AK to visit the library. <laughs> <laughs> the, the image of, of North Norfolk that's used. It's West Norfolk, not North Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> Months of research down the, <laughs> down the toilet. It's North Norfolk as well, though, isn't it? <laughs> it is, geographically it is, just cos that's not the sort of... The, of course it is, North Norfolk. You can't get any more north without going in the water. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought that. <laughs> <laughs> We've been looking the map upside down, Mark, you're right. <laughs> That's why every year we go on holiday, we think we'll go somewhere warm, we go to Finland, we can't understand it. <laughs> But it wasn't always King's Lynn here. It used to be Bishop's Lynn until the Reformation, when bishops went out of fashion. So, <laughs> so over the centuries, you're going down the chess pieces in order of importance. <laughs> Couple of years, you'll be Pawn's Lynn. <laughs> but far from being a backwater King's Lynn, this area sets national records. One of the first things I was told when I got here was someone saying proudly, the village of Emnath was the last place in Britain to be connected to the national grid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a magnificent rebranding from 600 years ago, the most important area of the economy, to no electricity. <laughs> I, I think that sense of importance is still here. Now, the, the comedian Alan Davis told me, now he told me this, right, personally, Lots of people, when he did a show here, came in late and they were all talking very loud and getting very angry and there was some issue going on. So he asked what the matter was and everybody said they were all furious because the council had brought in a car parking charge in the square. And he said, well, he said, well, you're right to be angry then. Like, I'm with you. He said, how much is it? And they said, a pound. <laughs> 
doesn't come from nowhere. That's a place that has enough community spirit to be prepared to ruin everyone's evening for a pound. <laughs> You're determined to retain the old status here. For example, you've got an area called Saturday Marketplace and another one called Tuesday Marketplace, even though neither has a market on... <laughs> Not on Tuesdays, Saturdays or any other day and hasn't since 1352. But... <laughs> And you got about back then, King's Lynn, flitting between here and Europe. The history of King's Lynn tells us the first merchants of Lynn had Scandinavian names, common enough to suggest strong immigration around the year 1200. So you're descended from Swedes. <laughs> this must be one of the reasons everyone round here loves immigration so much. <laughs> I mean, just imagine anyone round here being against immigration in any way. It would just be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Swedish connection may also be the reason one of the surviving accounts of the construction of the port says, to construct harbour, place jetty rod B on sliding schooner nodule... <laughs> ..D14. <laughs> what, Pete, where... There is no bastard jetty rod B in the pack! <laughs> And it wasn't just Swedes who came here and built the town, it was the Dutch and the Belgians and the Germans mixing with local people to make this a place where the population enjoyed the most advanced technology, diet and medicine, while places like London were getting poorer. And anywhere with access to the North Sea, like you, had a chance of becoming a trading centre. And then something happened that was crucial to you here. The merchants around Northern Europe set up an organisation called the Hanseatic League, and they stuck together to overall the aristocracy who barred anyone without a royal licence from trading. And as a main port, Lynn became an important centre of trade in wool and furs to Belgium and Holland and Hamburg. And wealth from this trade was what built the town. So the Hanseatic League benefited each area within that wider European region and the hundreds of merchants set up home here, creating the town with marketplaces on Tuesdays and Saturdays. <laughs> that attracted thousands, and they built the first roads with buildings made of stone and brick as early as 1250, all made possible by being part of what you might call a European trading group. <laughs> you, you could, if you wanted, I suppose, call it a customs union with a... <laughs> Free movement of people between Europe and King's Lynn. Without that, there'd be nothing here. And there's no way of knowing for certain what the people living here today would be doing, but probably living in the mud that the ferry has to get out of them. <laughs> Eating discarded buckets of chicken nuggets sent over from Wisbeach. So... <laughs> The one thing we can say for certain about this town is if there was, I don't know, a vote on retaining its ties to a European trading region, no-one here would ever, ever be so stupid as to reject those ties on the... <laughs> on the grounds that, yeah, but you got Norfolk Road, you don't hear English no more. <laughs> And so just a sense of how important it is. You know, one of the most favourite buildings is the Hanseatic Warehouse. Now, when I came here a few weeks ago, I bumped into Nick. Have we got Nick here? Yeah. And you're chair of the yeah. Civic Society, is that no, right? No, I'm chair of the Preservation Trust. Oh, it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
the Preservation Trust. Yeah. And so is that, that's hard work, is it? Because there's lots of stuff to preserve here. Yeah, the, the streets along the, the riverfront are recognised as one of the best townscape in, in the country. What's your absolute favourite, then, would you say? I probably ought to say this place, the Trinity Guildhall. It's where, sh where, where Shakespeare performed. The only remaining theatre where he performed. Oh, OK. Can you really claim a historic link to the greatest literature when you can't have a library without packing it full of bouncers? <laughs> <laughs> Once more into the breach, dear friends. Now set the teeth and stretch the nostrils wide. Let crumble sprinkleth no more on computers, the library hold, dear. <laughs> make claims like this one from a tourist website. The name of Robinson Crusoe can be found on a gravestone in the chapel next door to where I work. It's not clear whether Daniel Defoe took the name for his novel from this individual, as Robinson Crusoe was published in 1719, and Daniel Defoe only came to Kings Lynn in the 1750s. <laughs> However, I'd like to think it's not wholly coincidental. It's also believed he named Man Friday after a square in Kings Lynn where they never have a market on a Friday. <laughs> but who does come from here? Roger Taylor, the drummer out of Queen. Yay. Which is why Another One Bites the Dust is about rabbits shot on the Hardwick Ramble. <laughs> we Are the Champions is about the Kings Lynn Speedway team in 2006. <laughs> And I Want to Break Free is about someone trying to get past the security guards at the library. <laughs> but whereas most of the world has got more hectic, Kings Lynn has gone in the other direction. I walked round the town just after six, when it was dark in the midweek, and it was empty. Where do you all go? <laughs> but even Heights nightclub started at five and shut a quarter to six. <laughs> No wonder it's shut down, Heights. Who ever thought of calling a place Heights in an area where nothing has any height? <laughs> but here's what amazed me about this town. The river, the centrepiece of your town, not only flows at a magnificent pace, it has a tidal wave. I'm going to introduce Kevin here, Kevin Oliver, I know many of you will know. So Kevin invited me round his house and he said... There's a tidal wave. And I've got to be honest, Kingsley, I was slightly sceptical. <laughs> I've got an immense amount of pleasure watching your chin drop to the floor as a tidal wave come down the river. Yeah. <laughs> and you can sort of predict it to the minute, can't you? And then yeah. it just comes down this little river. It's not a little river, it's the third largest river in the country, if you don't mind. <laughs> It's the river. Well, it Clayton's. is, yes, in the same way that this isn't North Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> but so there is a tidal wave. There is. So why does that happen? Okay, the, the wash itself is like a big funnel, and the moon has got like this gravity thing attached to it, and yeah. it drags the water up the rivers. Well, the river channel narrows, and there's a lot of resistance from the sides of the river, and the water just goes over on itself, and you get a tidal wave. Fantastic. Do you know what? That's brilliant. It's like listening to Brian Cox. <laughs> marvellous thing about light is it stops you bumping into things. <laughs> there's a, now, there's a group of people that sort of take advantage of this for their own activities. Well, yeah, they're sort of secret. Oh! <laughs> they, they've got a secret group on Facebook, haven't they? Oh, have they? They turn up out of the mist at about half-past five in the morning, September and March, and they turn up at my house. 
And I think you're going to have to say what it is now, because you're in much worse trouble. They, <laughs> these people are wild swimmers, and they yeah. usually swim around the fens, anywhere between St Neots and Bedford, all around there, in, in any moving water. Yeah. But this water moves at about ten knots, so they all jump in the river at the back of my house, and they float down to Stowbridge, don't they? <laughs> It takes 42 minutes. <laughs> and how high is the tide away? About three foot. Three foot. So it's brilliant that the round here, the highest thing above sea level <laughs> is a bit of the sea. <laughs> uh, no, it sounds brilliant. And such good exercise as well, flowing down the river without having to exert any energy whatsoever. <laughs> Once you get out, you could be pushed home in a wheelbarrow and then carried over the lin in a ferry and call it a triathlon. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is another major tourist attraction here because this area isn't just any part of West Norfolk. <laughs> it's royal, it's royal round here. Her Majesty, no less, has a country residence just outside King's Lynn in Sandringham, which is well-deserved because... <laughs> When you're cooped up in London all week in a pokey flat, you need a bit of space so you can hear <laughs> Now, a number of people have told me how you know when the Queen is in town. Oh, no. <laughs> no, this is... Oh. Yeah, go on. When, when we first moved up here, we were told by the neighbours that we'll have a power cut. The day before the Queen arrives, they strike up the generators at the Sandringham Estate and they steal our electricity from the fence. <laughs> True. Every single year we have a one-day power cut the day before the yeah. Queen arrives. It's yeah. true. Of course it is. When the Queen comes to Sandringham, she uses up so much electricity, the whole of the area has a power cut because we all know the Queen has recently taken up industrial welding. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bloody Enloth, they must go, oh, blimey, we've only just got lights. <laughs> sell solar panels. You've probably been over there. <laughs> yes, what is it? You want any solar panels, love? <laughs> You're obviously using up quite a bit of juice. <laughs> There's a report in the Daily Express, January 2018, uh, that says the Queen was forced to take tea and cakes in the dark today after the power went out while attending the local Women's Institute. So she's got an alibi. <laughs> Now, this is the, the history of Sandringham in a book called Sandringham Days. Now, in the 1860s, the Prince of Wales became obsessed with time. Do you know this story? Right, this is brilliant. And he hated the mornings being dark. So, I quote, he created Sandringham time. The time was officially half an hour ahead of the rest of the country. So the clocks were all changed to Sandringham time. And the book says... Guests would leave the hall at 2.30 to catch the 2.15 from Wolferton. <laughs> if anyone from King's Lynn worked as a servant there, they'd have said, it's brilliant here, I get to stay up till half past six. <laughs> you can visit Sandringham for £17.50 and there's a sort of garden centre and I asked the woman working there where the house was. This was yesterday, right? And she said, it's shut. And she said, and you can't see it from the road either. You wouldn't even see it if you climbed up a ladder, which I wouldn't advise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at first, I thought she meant 
because Prince Philip will go, there's one. Poof. <laughs> <laughs> then I realised she meant you don't want to go up a ladder or your ears will pop. <laughs> but you've got other attractions, Kings Lynn, like the Crown and Mitre pub. The... <laughs> Known across the town, a delightful pub overlooking the river with a unique landlord. Are you all... <laughs> Everyone familiar with the landlord? Yeah. Uh, one woman told me, and I'll have to keep her identity secret, she said, he was all right until I asked for ice and then he went mental. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, the wonderfully grumpy landlord, but you love him, don't you? It's, it's marvellous, Kings Lynn, that not only are the people who front the town grumpy, but you love them for it. <laughs> um, the image of dawdling East Anglia isn't fair at all, of course. You're full of innovation. One headline in the Mail on Sunday said, a Norfolk warehouse the size of 23 football pitches is growing medical cannabis just south of Kings Lynn, where residents have complained the strange and pungent smell is wafting across the fens. See, here's your answer for really why the electrics go out. You've got... <laughs> you've got 23 football pitches of dope lights. <laughs> and you're going, kettle don't work, that'll be the Queen. <laughs> um, other towns have pride in grand statues, but your favourite landmark is a little black heart shape over a window in the marketplace, which, if this is to be believed, is there because a witch was burnt in the marketplace opposite and her heart exploded and landed above the window, leaving a mark that's been there ever since. Now, other less creative towns might assume it's a drawing of a heart, but in Kingsley, <laughs> you see right through that, you know it's an imprint from a medieval exploded witch's heart who probably said, I reckon the tidal wave's due in about ten minutes. Then... <laughs> <laughs> then when it happened, they went, she's a witch! <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen what you're up to because the Financial Times reported recently an unexpected side effect of Brexit is a group of European states has set up a new Hanseatic League. Oh, no, I've sussed it, I reckon. You cheeky sods. You want us out of the EU so you can replace it with the old Hanseatic League and rule the world again. <laughs> and then every container ship will have to register here and not be allowed to leave its port unless it's pushed out by a bloke in the mud. <laughs> and you'll be able to overrule the aristocracy by putting their electricity on a metre so they can't dim your lights anymore. <laughs> So I will leave you, Kings Lynn, with the evidence that Daniel Defoe was indeed inspired by Kings Lynn to write Robinson Crusoe, as this section in his book, I think, clearly shows. Crusoe marvelled at the athleticism of Man Friday as he bound effortlessly up the vast hill to an altitude Crusoe had never encountered. <laughs> and called out after him, Friday, take care, my friend, you must be four feet above sea level. <laughs> Crusoe's spirit sunk further when Friday told him he'd have to pay a pound to stand there now <laughs> because of the new rule. And so day by day, Crusoe became resigned to spending his days on this desolate island with no chance of rescue, where no traveller or any soul might pass until the end of time, except for the RAF flying 50 feet overhead <laughs> 17 times a day.
Mark Steele's In Town was written and performed by Mark Steele. With additional material by Pete Sinclair. It was produced in Kingsland by Carl Cooper. And it was a BBC Studios production. Yeah.